When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, just really quick before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that I'm running a limited edition plush with Makeship, and this time it's Casper. So if you want to grab your own Casper plush, make sure you get him before he's gone. There's only like 19 days left. It is a limited run and he's not coming back. Make sure you go to makeship.com slash products slash Casper dash longboy dash plush, or just click the link in the description box. Some people have a deep, abiding respect for the natural beauty that was once this country. And some people don't. People start pollution. People can stop it. Since the end of the 1970s, most people have been convinced that stopping climate change was something everyone was responsible for. Not the corporations or a select few, but everybody. Slowly but surely, people became obsessed with doing their part. As advertisements came rolling down saying things like, people started pollution, people can stop it, most people began making changes to their everyday lives in order to make the world a better place. First, there was recycling. As you stroll through the grocery store, you look at the bottom of every plastic item plastered on the shelves. Those little arrows that all of us have come to know indicated that this item was safe to be recycled, or at least most of us thought but that's great. All of a sudden, you feel like you're doing your part. You drink your milk and soda, eat your candy out of a little plastic container and feel vindicated knowing that as long as you put it back in your little green bin, you're doing what's necessary to slow climate change. But what if I told you most of that was a lie? Sure, some things are recyclable, but not nearly as much as you would think. To make matters even worse is that the industries who came up with this recycling plan knew this. In fact, recycling was all one big advertisement campaign promoted primarily by the plastic industry for one reason and one reason alone, to sell more plastic. And that's right, the individual responsibility of doing your part for the climate has been pushed by corporations for decades. Meanwhile, as they continue biggering, their impact on pollution grows right along with them. As we are turning away straws, rethinking how we heat our homes in the dead of winter and pledging to take fewer trips on airplanes, the top companies are responsible for nearly 70% of greenhouse gas emissions. Sure, individual responsibility is important, but it's also a lie. Even if every individual did exactly the right thing to fight the growing climate crisis, it couldn't make up for the damage caused by the corporations. But with careful messaging, fancy little ad campaigns, and deliberate disinformation spread to the masses, even the best of us have been fooled into thinking of pollution through an individualized lens. So how exactly did they do it? How did companies fool the world and change the narrative on the climate crisis? What is the real story of pollution? Americans discard more trash than any other country in the world. Bought that line and thought it was our responsibility to take care of it. Is causing quite an international stink. Loaded with more than 3,000 tons of waste. We 
cannot keep just continuing this mindless consumerism, mindless consumption. What makes our lives convenient is burying us. Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're gonna be looking into how companies tricked the world into believing that pollution was an individual issue rather than their own. And I know that's rich coming from the Illuminati, but bear with me because this is no conspiracy theory. Now let's travel back in time to the 1940s when the first landfill aptly named Fresh Kills opened in the United States. At the point of its opening, American consumers were becoming increasingly reliant on the use it and throw it away model. Water bottles, straws, and much more were developed for one-time use rather than sustainability. And before long, fresh kills became a symbol of not only American consumerism, but American waste. Fast forward a couple more years, and those same people that had become accustomed to the way of one-use living were starting to grow concerned. Slowly but surely, people started to think, with millions of people throwing out an ungodly amount of trash every day, where is it all going? And more importantly, What was it doing to the environment? As American activists quickly began to learn what throwaway products were doing to the environment, they joined together to make it all come to an end. Earth Day, an SOS for survival. Here in New York is Frank Reynolds. Good evening. On this Earth Day, millions of Americans in the communities which dot this map have taken the first step to survival. But if this day of teach-ins, mock funerals, rallies, marches, speeches, and songs does not convince enough of us that the threat to our life on Earth is clear and present, then we may have cast a vote for death. Earth Day. It became a day of protest and consumers turned activists had one plan, point the finger at the industries responsible. Suddenly, the plastic industry as a whole was under fire and feared that life as they knew would soon change. By the 1970s, they were working under the assumption that their very business model would soon be severely impacted by bans or increased legislation. So they did what any major industry does at a time of crisis. They changed the narrative. Instead of taking responsibility for their own actions or you know, maybe changing the product a bit, they decided to do something else, put the blame on the people. And that's right. By the late 1980s, the plastic industry was full steam ahead, spending millions upon millions of dollars in advertising, promoting public recycling, and convincing everyone that recycling could save the earth and plastic could be and should be recycled. They released ad campaigns that felt eerily similar to the only you can stop wildfires campaigns. Only this time it was bullshit. Some people have a deep abiding respect for the natural beauty that was once this country and some people don't. People start pollution. The Keep America Beautiful campaign swiftly swept the nation. Together, companies like American Can Company, Owen Illinois Glass Co., Coca-Cola, and Dixie Cup created a plan to push the environmental crisis onto the consumers rather than themselves. Their advertisements became legendary and their crying Indian commercial, which showed an Italian actor portraying an indigenous person moved everyone who saw it. Yes, it is as horribly politically incorrect and exploitative as you're picturing it in your head. Now, as a tear streamed down the actor's face, the now infamous commercial ended with the line, people start pollution, people can stop it. And well, there it is. That was the whole episode. Great seeing you guys. We'll uh, we'll chat in the next one. But no, seriously, the truthfully, you know, it was not the company's problem. The ones, you know, developing the products that were causing these issues, it was the consumer's. All of the blame had been shifted with just some careful PR work. 
And before long, the industry had everyone convinced that they were working with environmentalists and towards a solution. They certainly were not the ones causing the problem, but of course they knew this wasn't true. It was just good business. A top official, Larry Thomas said, the feeling was the plastic industry was under fire. We got to do what it takes to take the heat off because we want to continue to make plastic products. If the public thinks recycling is working, then they're not going to be as concerned about the environment. While the plastic industry pushed recycling as the solution to a growing problem and promised that this could save the future and the environment, they knew this wasn't the truth. Internal memos at the time discussed the infeasibility of recycling, calling it costly and difficult. Still, they didn't care and this new push towards recycling was keeping them alive. So as the plastic industry continued to shove out its messaging and even sponsor recycling products, they just kept basically printing money, selling the very thing they claimed to be against while thrusting all the blame onto their consumers. Now they looked like the good guys. They could continue producing their products without interference and convince the world that they were also the solution. The bans or regulations that they had been worried about in the beginning had been successfully avoided pushed to the side as the plastic industry convinced the country that they were doing everything in their power to protect the environment. As one top executive at the time told Frontline, it was a win-win. So for almost 50 years, the industry went on virtually unchecked with individuals taking the responsibility of recycling into their own homes. And everyone thought that was the most being done to protect the environment. But in recent years, we've begun to learn the truth. Recycling wasn't doing nearly as much as we thought it was. And while individual people believed that every item of plastic was recyclable, this turned out to be very far from the truth. In fact, less than 10% of plastic has been recycled. So even if you do your part and put all your plastic in your little bin, not all of it is viable for the process. In fact, most of it isn't even going to be recycled. In fact, most of it simply winds up in a landfill. So we're back to square one and the plastic industry just keeps on pushing. To this day, they push more and more advertising on trying to convince the public that everything will be okay if they just do their part. Meanwhile, the use of plastic continues to grow and rather than decrease, it's expected to triple by 2050. Sadly, this is just one aspect of how pollution was pushed onto individuals. While the plastic industry worked to rebrand pollution and continue selling its products, the oil industry also followed suit lobbying the government, promoting advertisements, and creating massive PR strategies that made it seem like they were on the same team as environmentalists. In a highly controversial action, one county in New York state has voted to ban all packaging made of two kinds of plastic. Around the same time that the plastic industry began its massive rebranding of the pollution problem, oil and fossil fuel companies began to follow suit. After all, they are pretty much two sides of the same coin, two industries that depend on each other. So it was a mutually beneficial relationship for the industries to work together on the cause of blaming pollution on the individual consumer rather than themselves. While plastic companies went on their way running the Keep America Beautiful campaign, oil companies began working on a massive disinformation campaign that sought to instill distrust of climate scientists in the minds of the American public. In truth, fossil fuel companies have been fully aware of the harm that they've been doing to the environment for quite some time. And like the plastic industry, they've done their best to try and steer the public in the opposite direction. In a report released by scientists from the likes of Harvard, George Mason University, and the University of Bristol entitled, America Misled, How the Fossil Fuel Industry Deliberately Misled Americans About Climate Change, researchers bring to light the lengths the industry has gone to misinform the public. As scientific consensus emerged that humans were undoubtedly responsible for causing climate change in the 1980s, the fossil fuel industry leaped into action. 
In fact, their scientists had been warning of the dangers of their CO2 emissions since the early 1950s. But rather than warning the public or attempting to find a solution, they enacted a multi-pronged approach to shifting the blame, hiring fake experts, demanding impossible scientific standards of those collecting the data, selectively choosing results, and spreading conspiracy theories. Even after over 90% of scientists confirmed that climate change was undoubtedly caused by humans, ExxonMobil released ads in the New York Times and other publications claiming that there were fundamental gaps in the science. Meanwhile, they pledged that they would take steps to lower emission technologies while doing no such thing. Instead, they used their heads up on the climate crisis to make even more money after they discovered that global warming could give them a couple more months that they could drill every single year. So they just caused more pollution after they learned what was going on and dedicated millions of dollars to misinform the public. Now, BP had a different strategy. Much like the plastic industry, they decided to change the narrative and mislead the public and place the blame on individuals. Have you ever heard of the term carbon footprint? You know, the measurement of how individuals contribute to global warming through simple activities like eating, driving, and heating their homes? Well, that was actually created by BP in the early 2000s. They came up with a handy little tool and a splashy ad campaign that allowed individuals to track their daily activities and their impact on climate change. And just like the plastic industry Keep America Beautiful campaign, Only You Can Save the Planet was once again on full display. Not shockingly, their plan worked. And instead of people looking at the fossil fuel companies to rectify their own mistakes, individuals were relying on themselves to be the change. As Mike Tidwell, who was the executive director of Chesapeake Climate Action Network wrote in 2007, Every time an activist or politician hectors the public to voluntarily reach for a new bulb or spend extra money on a Prius, ExxonMobil heaves a big sigh of relief. Yes, the carbon footprint is a metric tool used to measure climate impact, but how often do you hear it being applied to massive companies rather than individual impact? Well, that was by design. As scientists were developing multiple ways to measure pollution, corporations were pushing just one measure out to the public, changing the way people taught, thought, and acted in regard to environmental friendliness. As time went on, oil companies continued to dump money into lobbying against any meaningful climate policy while simultaneously pumping out publicity campaigns claiming that they were doing whatever they could to stop the climate emergency. The American Petroleum Institute has been at the forefront of the action, lobbying or bribing Congress for decades to keep the fossil fuel industry out of trouble and actively trying to convince the public that any type of climate-based initiatives like support for electric vehicles, for example, wasn't in their best interest. Mike Somers, the chief executive, has claimed that a rush transition to electric vehicles was mere government action to limit Americans' transportation choice. Basically, any solution proposed has been given a reason for why it won't or shouldn't work by the API, and some people are beginning to take notice. And one of the ways they're beginning to take notice, might I add, is that one of the most powerful trade organizations is facing a growing amount of lawsuits for their constant disinformation. Hmm, I wonder if the two are related. So if recycling isn't doing what we believe, the carbon footprint is made up by an oil company, and individual changes aren't doing what we think they are, what's really going on here? Who's actually to blame? Well, you probably already guessed it. The very people who are trying to turn it into an individual problem, corporations. What size is your carbon footprint? Ah, the carbon footprint's there. That I don't know. Whatever it is, the whole population of the world, make that a very, very big number. How much carbon I produce? 
Nowadays, it seems like all of the lobbying, advertising, and partnering with environmentalists to horribly trick people into believing that climate change was purely an individualized responsibility has paid off. Just to be clear, yes, everyone should take responsibility in trying to combat the growing climate crisis that we all now find ourselves in. But the responsibility is purely pushed onto the consumer rather than the companies behind it. And that seems like a bit of a scam. And as we know now, it kind of is. It seems at times that individual efforts are fruitless. Let's take energy, for example. In a study done by the University of Michigan, they found that even when households consume less energy, the climate benefit is almost completely erased by the grids in their respective states method of producing electricity in the first place. And of course, we know about recycling. That's not at all doing what we would hope. Then there's just the astronomical impact on the environment by massive companies, something that's been denied and advertised into oblivion for decades. Luckily though, we're starting to take notice. While people push for reusable straws or less water consumption, companies are making no such changes. Instead, they keep pushing and are responsible for more pollution than millions on millions of people combined. In fact, it's likely much worse than you think. In a report released in 2017, it was announced that 100 active fossil fuel producers, including ExxonMobil, Shell, BHP, Billiton, and Gazprom are linked to 71% of industrial greenhouse gas emissions since 1988. In 1988, that's an interesting date. Doesn't that time sound familiar? Oh yeah, that's around the same time that the fossil fuel industry began pushing disinformation aggressively to the public. And it's also the same time that human-induced climate change was recognized through the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And really quick, just humor me for a moment. Just think about that, 71%. Meanwhile, only about 20% of greenhouse gas emissions come from homes, according to a 2020 study from the University of Michigan. So the reality here is that even if every single individual did what they needed to do to get their greenhouse gas emissions down, that still leaves a staggering 71% coming from corporations. And truthfully, 20% change is something, but it's not nearly what it could be if, you know, we could get that 71% on board. But when you listen to the messaging around saving the environment, save the earth and greenhouse gases and blah, 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 that's not what it would have you believe. It would have you believe that it's your fault as an individual, all of us as individuals, not the fact that we're literally 20% or one fifth of the problem while corporations are nearly four fifths of the problem. Planet when you have the chance. Excellencies, This UN climate conference is a reminder that the answer is in our hands. And the clock is ticking. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions- You see, it's not just the advertising or the lobbying that spreads this messaging. It's the fact that fossil fuel companies have instilled delegates into the very organizations that discuss climate change internationally, like the United Nations Climate Change Group, for example. At the UN Climate Change Conference in 2020, there were 500 delegates who came from fossil fuel companies. You know, the same people who are responsible for about 71% of greenhouse gas emissions. According to Yes Magazine, that's about two dozen more than the largest country delegation. Now, technically speaking, fossil fuel companies are not allowed to participate directly, but they sure as hell can send people who are on their side. So as the conference takes place, the conversation shifts primarily from anything having to do with corporate responsibility and more to individual consumption patterns. Go figure, nothing about that seems corrupt at all. 
Meanwhile, companies are gonna just continue to make promises for the future while nothing gets done for now. And at that same conference, by the way, they convinced the committee to phase out coal rather than ban it altogether. Companies like Shell promise the world that they will reach zero emissions by 2050, but nothing in their internal records makes it seem like that's even true, being worked on or possible. Analysis from lawyers with Climate Earth found that Shell has no intention of reducing its production by 2030 and is still committed to exploring new oil and gas sources. In fact, they're actually planning to grow in the fossil fuel gas business by 20%. So much for that apparent commitment, right? But it's not just fossils or plastics causing such a massive problem when it comes to pollution. It's industries you'd also never think of, like the tissue industry, for example. In a report done by NRDC and Stand.Earth, they discovered that the company Procter & Gamble generated roughly 17.8 million metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions every year. And in case you're curious, that's about the same as 3.8 million passenger vehicles. As each company swears to do better, their internal documents often claim that they're doing the opposite, pumping out more greenhouse gases and looking for the easiest way to make money, not the best way to save the planet that we're living on. As we now know, the easiest way to make money seems to be just pushing the problem back onto individual consumers, which is basically scammy behavior 101. But not necessarily for all people. There are some individuals who should be distinctly worried about their impact on the environment, but it's a very select few. Does anyone wanna take a guess who I'm talking about here? That's right, it's the billionaires. I never dreamed I would own a plane. It's just, I wanted it to feel like an extension of me and an extension of my home. Welcome to Air Kim. Usually planes are like- So we know that about a hundred companies are causing the most harm to the environment. But what about the people that likely own those very same companies or the people that have just so much money they can literally do anything they want? Bill Gates is not immune to contributing to the pollution crisis. He's one of the world's most high-profile environmental advocates, but his flight plans really wouldn't show it. In the course of just one year, he took 59 flights covering about 213,000 miles. That amounts to about 1,600 tons of greenhouse gases. And in case you're curious, that's about the yearly equivalent of the amount put out by 105 people. Now he is for the record on the lower side, but for someone who is the most high-profile environmental advocate, that's still a tiny bit much. But activists also love to point out what's really going on in the world. And over recent years, they've brought to light just how much rich people love their beloved jets and of course boats and yachts and whatever things that float in the water and the amount in which it's costing all of us to live on this planet. Earlier this year, Kylie Jenner faced some backlash online when people learned through an automated Twitter account that tracks celebrities' flight paths that the influencer decided to use her plane for a 17 minute flight. Of course, as we know, jets put off way more emissions than fuel, so someone choosing to take a flight for 17 minutes is a bit concerning. People began to jump in on Kylie, calling her things like a full-time climate criminal with an absolute disregard for the planet. And sure, Kylie is far from the worst of the worst when it comes to rich people and climate pollution, but her apparent disregard and callous use of something so horrific for the planet definitely feels like a slap in the face when people are being told not to use their AC. In fact, the wealthiest 10% of people in the world were reportedly responsible for about half of the world's global emissions in just 2015. And as for the top 1%, they were responsible for about 15% of emissions. That same 1% are responsible for more harmful emissions than the poorest 50%. So what were you saying about me turning off my lights, my air conditioning or other things just to literally survive through the day? 
I'm not the one flying around the world so much that I'm giving off the same pollution impact as 105 people. Maybe we should be more worried about those people, not the ones just trying to make it through the day. Now, this becomes especially true after learning that just 125 billionaires are emitting the equivalent amount of emissions of 85 million cars every year. And yes, you heard me right. Not 85, not 85,000, 85 million. The report done by Oxfam found that these same billionaires invested in about 183 corporations. Most of their pollution came from those investments. So maybe people are technically right. Pollution can be an individualized problem. Only it's the individuals who are making massive investments into those corporations, not the individuals leaving their AC on when it's 100 degrees outside. As the organization put it, extreme inequality and wealth concentration undermine the ability of humanity to stop climate breakdown. Very rich people emit huge and unsustainable amounts of carbon and have outsized influence over our economy. So sure, maybe some individuals should have the blame put on them for the climate emergency we all are in now. But unfortunately, it's not just the consumers trying to stay afloat. If it's not the recycling, the straws, or any other individualized effort that can save the earth, then what is it? What should the messaging be around climate change? And what can we actually do? And before we try to explore that answer, I'm just gonna take a moment to thank today's sponsors. With HelloFresh, you can get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And now that it's the most festive time of the year, HelloFresh is here to help you make the most of every moment. From holiday hosting to dinners during busy weeknights, you can count on HelloFresh to deliver fresh ingredients and seasonal recipes. And if you're short on time, look for HelloFresh's quick and easy options like 20 minute meals and easy cleanup dishes. And with over 35 recipes available to choose from every week, there's something to please everyone. You can choose from family friendly, fit and wholesome, or even veggie. So whether you're hosting a holiday party or just stocking up on snacks, you'll find everything you need at the HelloFresh market. From quick breakfast to charcuterie boards and desserts, it's never been easier to prep for a party or just fill your pantry. So to get your holiday food needs out of the way, make sure you go to hellofresh.com casket18 and use code casket18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's hellofresh.com casket18 and use code casket18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. This episode is also sponsored by PayPal Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. And as the holiday season is upon us, every dollar counts. All you do is do your shopping like normal. And when it comes to checkout, the Honey button pops down and starts searching for coupons. If it finds a working coupon code, it's going to apply it and you'll watch prices drop. Honey has been really great for me during the holiday season to help find those last minute coupons to make sure that I can get gifts on everyone's Christmas list this year. And I've gotten everything from 10% all the way to like 40% off. So I've been getting some amazing savings. So if you don't already have Honey, you could just be straight up missing out on savings. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. And I'd never recommend something that I don't use. So get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com casket. That's joinhoney.com casket. The bleak future that we are creating for our earth has certainly been no secret, but getting people to listen, especially corporations or government officials has proven to be a near impossible endeavor. 
Just earlier this year, prominent climate activist Wynne Bruce even set himself on fire in front of the Supreme Court to try and bring attention to the horrific future we're all facing. Police and paramedics converged on the U.S. Supreme Court right around 6.30 Friday night. 50-year-old Wynne Bruce, a longtime Boulder resident, had apparently set himself on fire in the plaza right in front of the court. He was rushed to the hospital, but died the next day. He was a very quiet person, uh, kept himself, lived alone, had a cat. He was a real, you know, sweet guy. Even after he died from his injuries, from what his colleague called a deeply fearless act of compassion to bring attention to the climate crisis, his heroic act barely lasted a single news cycle. I can't stress enough how a scientist who self-immolated for activism of a grim future could barely even hold a news cycle. People have been trying to shift the narrative of pollution from individuals to industries and corporations, but unfortunately, none of it seems to stick. Instead, we're left with a bunch of companies greenwashing the narrative, claiming that they'll do something about their contribution to pollution, but never actually taking any meaningful steps. A staggering 92% of S&P 100 companies have made some sort of commitment to reducing their emissions. Meanwhile, only four in 10 have actually worked with politicians or lawmakers to enact any type of new policies. Oh, and of course there's the 21% of companies that have actively lobbied against any type of climate change policy while simultaneously telling the public that they're doing their best to cut down on their own emissions. Yeah, that sounds super believable. As Sten Rothstein, the managing director of the Ceres Accelerator for Sustainable Capital Markets at Ceres, which is an insane job title, can we get an acronym please? He says, those companies that are not actively lobbying for science-based climate policies are effectively working against themselves, making it extremely challenging for them to achieve the bold targets that they have set up to clean up their own business operations, risking both their reputations and their financial performance. That's the messaging that really needs to be sent. Working against climate change is working against their financial performance. That seems to be all they understand, money, so let's use it. Rather, policies could be enacted that work toward the future. Like for example, holding corporations responsible for their inability to meet their emission reduction goals or for the longstanding disinformation campaigns they have hurled at consumers for literally decades. Like maybe there should be some repercussions there. But how can we do this? Well, Robert Brule, who is a visiting professor of environment and society at Brown University, he's got a few suggestions. Congressional representatives should definitely be taking a deeper look into greenwashing. And that's actually already happening within the House Action Committee. Just last year, the committee held hearings with big oil companies about their multiple disinformation campaigns and contribution to pollution. Rashida Tlaib told the CEO of Chevron, Michael Wirth, I need Chevron to cut the check. You owe $50 billion to indigenous communities and people that you harmed for profit. Owing over 50 billion in judgments and settlements, checks, literally settlement debts that you all have. So Mike, when are you gonna cut the check? I'm not familiar with the number you- Another representative, Ayana Presley, asked if the ExxonMobil CEO would stop funding groups that continuously reject climate change as scientific support. He said, they do not ask people to lobby anything different than our publicly expressed position, which if their public position was to be aptly against any climate policies would be true, then that's one thing, but it's not. They're one of the companies that adamantly claim that they're doing everything in their power to work with climate scientists. Meanwhile, a lobbyist of theirs was caught red-handed discussing their work to weaken climate infrastructure plans. So don't you just love when people get caught in a lie? 
Still, as badass and awesome as it is to hear lawmakers scold the biggest polluters, it's not doing much to change the current situation, especially if it only seems to happen every once in a while. While it's a great first step, what else can we actually do? Well, we could put an insurmountable amount of pressure on the government to place legal pressure on those companies. While they aren't going to change because they were scolded publicly, they might if their business is threatened. And this isn't just an activist on consumers either, it comes down to private investors too. Instead of investing in fossil fuels, private equity investors should actually put their money where their mouths are and give some cash over to green assets rather than fossil fuel companies. One of the biggest changes that need to be made is the narrative as a whole. The climate crisis is undoubtedly not the individual crisis that companies have made it seem to be for decades. This narrative has become what a columnist from The Guardian calls one of the most significant lies ever told by the fossil fuel industry. It has led to a near impossible situation, but dispelling this narrative lie is one of the keys to solving the crisis. As companies continue to divert resources from implementing solutions to distracting people from the larger issue at hand, people must remain vigilant in placing the blame where it should rightfully lie, the industries. The individual effort is commendable and necessary, but it's physically impossible for it to be the end of all the pollution issues. Companies can no longer be allowed to push that narrative. We've seen where it's gotten us after multiple decades and it's nowhere good. It's time for them to be the change that they're pretending to be. Spend some money on actual solutions, not on advertisements skirting accountability. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. So I hope you learned something new today. And if you did, make sure that you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I really do appreciate it. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Look around for details. I always study the details. Cleanliness. I go up to the pilot, see how everything's going. I like to look at the cockpit. I want everything to be absolutely perfect.